and welcome back to Youth Group Radio, the place where you don't have to be a youth and you don't have to have a radio. Today we are continuing our study, going through the Gospel of John. We are in John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment, made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Let's pray. May your love, O Lord, renew us and teach us just how to express our love and give your love to others. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you remember from last week, Jesus went down to Bethany to see Lazarus who had died a few days prior. Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, were wishing that Jesus had gotten there sooner. Jesus asks to see where the tomb is. He bursts into tears with everyone else. He weeps, and then he calls Lazarus out to come out. And sure enough, Lazarus comes out, and everybody, as you would imagine, is talking about it. Word spreads to the religious leaders, and they're scared that Rome is going to get wind of this, and so they become determined to get Jesus killed. And Jesus then goes and takes refuge in Ephraim with his disciples. It's almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and so Jews from all over have traveled to Jerusalem, and what we saw at the end of the passage last week, all of them are asking, do you think Jesus is going to show up? But right now it's not safe for Jesus to be out in public, especially in Jerusalem. So he escapes to Ephraim for a few days. But now the Jewish Passover is only six days away. And so Jesus begins to make his way back toward Jerusalem. Even though it is a dangerous trip, it's where he must go. But before he gets to Jerusalem, he makes a stop back in Bethany to visit his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, often when we read this story, perhaps it's a familiar story to you, we imagine Martha cooking in the kitchen, doing all of the work. Lazarus is just chilling. You know, maybe he's still in shock. And then Mary is making a scene at Jesus' feet. And this passage turns into, are you going to be a busybody like Mary, or are you going to be a lazy Lazarus, or are you going to be like Mary? But in this particular passage, it seems that all three of them put this dinner party together. It says in verse 2 that they gave a dinner for him there. 
They gave him a dinner. Martha served the food, Lazarus sat with the guests, and Mary anointed Jesus' feet. They did it together. This was part of their of the plan. All three of them are just incredibly thankful. They thought that their brother Lazarus was gone forever, but Jesus gave them back their brother. Jesus really is who he says he is. He really is the resurrection and the life. And they just want to express their thankfulness. But simply saying thank you just wouldn't capture what they feel for Jesus. And so they put together a special evening for him. You see, what Martha can't put into words, she expresses by serving food to Jesus. What Lazarus can't put into words, he expresses by simply sitting with Jesus and spending quality time with him. What Mary can't put into words, she expresses in pouring perfume on the feet of Jesus and wiping it with her hair. Each act is powerful, and each act is wordless. Have you ever listened to an instrumental song, whether it was piano, an orchestra, guitar, whatever it might be, and you found yourself just moved, and maybe even moved to tears? Not a single word was said or sung, but the music spoke to you. It moved you in a way that words couldn't have. You see, there are some things in this world that need to be said, but those things can't quite be captured with words. But we can say them and express them through other ways other than speech. Like a smile. A smile can say so much, and it can you can't quite say a smile. You can say, oh, I'm happy, yes, I'm so happy, but if there's no smile, it's like you don't seem happy. A smile really says something. Or tears, tears say things. A dance of joy, a hug, a kiss. When my wife kisses me, my heart soars, and no words could communicate the same message to my heart than that of a simple kiss from my wife. I remember growing up all of my life, even when I was in high school and too cool for everything, I would tell my dad goodnight and that I love him, and he would kiss my cheek. His beard would poke and scratch me, and you know, I treasure those memories. Even when I had gotten in trouble and my dad had to, you know, discipline me, my dad would always give me a kiss goodnight, showing me that there's nothing I could do to stop him from loving me. Kisses are special. Kisses from spouses, from parents, from dear friends. There's a book in the Bible called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And it's a very different book. It's all about the love between a husband and a wife. I want you to listen to how the book of Song of Songs starts. It starts with a woman speaking, and she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. 
Your name is like perfume poured out. Now answer me this. Do you think that that woman speaking loves the man that she's talking to? Of course she does. But she never said, I love you. But she expressed her love through poetry about kissing and wine and perfume being poured out. And doesn't that last bit of imagery remind you of Mary pouring out the perfume on Jesus' feet? Verse 3 says that Mary took a pound of this perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus. A Roman pound was about equal to 12 ounces for us, so that's a can of soda amount of expensive perfume. How expensive was the perfume? Well, if Judas's calculation was correct in verse 5, then the perfume was worth at least 300 denarii, and a denarii was equal to one day's pay, and so 300 denarii would be almost an entire year's pay, but really it would be a year. It's you, you know, take off, you know, uh, the weekends, holidays. Three hundred is is more than most people work a year, and so three hundred denarii was a salary. And Mary is putting it on Jesus's feet and wiping her hair with it. The hair is important to note too. You see, for a Jewish for a Jewish woman in the first century to let her hair down was pretty scandalous. This would have certainly made the men uncomfortable, to say the least. Had she no shame? No, she feels no shame in the presence of her Savior. You see, there's a reason why the first verses of Song of Songs reminds us of this scene with Mary. You see, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus They don't ever flat out say it, but we know, and we see it in this passage. They love Jesus, and they just want to express that love to him. Martha and Lazarus don't object to Mary pouring out this very expensive perfume. No, this was all part of the plan. They love Jesus. Instead, it's Judas who speaks up. Judas, he can't handle this awkward scene, and he says in verse 5, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Judas speaks up for the poor. (laughs) You're being irresponsible with this money. We should give it to the poor. Like I said, a denarii is a full day's wage. It would be a year's salary, which in the U.S., average salary can be anywhere from $38,000 to $70,000, depending on what state you live in. So Judas says that they should be more responsible with that money. But this is the same Judas who will betray Jesus and sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which is equivalent to less than $2,000. The numbers don't quite add up. John explains in verse 6, that Judas didn't actually care about the poor, but he was a thief. Apparently, he was in charge of their money, and he would often just take the money for himself. All he cared about was money, and that will always corrupt you. I see it happen outside of the church, and I certainly see it happen within the church all the time, where people become obsessed with money. And it will always, always, 
always corrupt and destroy. Isn't it interesting? Judas never gets condemned for stealing the money. Jesus never confronts him about it. Jesus never condemns him at all. Instead, Judas's love of money ended up drifting him so far from Jesus that he was drowning in his own shame and his own self-hate to the point that he ended up taking his own life. Judas didn't love Jesus. He loved the things of the world. Judas knows the price of everything but the value of nothing, and it destroyed him. Jesus looks at Judas and says in verse 7, leave her alone. And he gives Judas three reasons why he should just leave Mary alone. One reason, leave her alone, Judas, for the poor you always have with you. Jesus is saying, yeah, take care of the poor as I've commanded. They will still be here. They're not going anywhere. If you're so worried about the poor, man, walk outside. They're right there. You can always take care of them. The second reason, leave her alone, Judas, for I won't always be here. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving soon. Leave her alone. Third reason, leave her alone, Judas, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Jesus is saying that this perfume is for my burial. You see, when people died in Jesus' day, it was Jewish custom to immediately wash the dead body and anoint the body with perfume. And what we will eventually see is that when Jesus dies on the cross, they had to rush him off because it was um, coming up on the Sabbath day, and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath day. It's also Passover, and so all these things needing are needing to be done before sundown. And so they rush him off, and a guy named Joseph of Arimathea and another guy named Nicodemus are given permission to prepare the dead body of Jesus for the tomb. And so they wrapped him up and put some myrrh and aloes on him and placed him in a new tomb. But Jesus is seeing Mary's actions right here as the true anointing of perfume, getting him truly ready for burial. She isn't in a rush like Joseph and Nicodemus will be in. She's taking her time, taking her time to simply love Jesus. Now, did Mary know that she was preparing him for his death? I doubt it. But that is what happens when we follow Jesus in love. Our words and our actions can begin to communicate things beyond this world, even beyond our own understanding. Just like last week, when John said that Caiaphas was prophesying, when he said that Jesus needed to die rather than all of them getting killed, Mary is now the prophet. But it isn't her ugly words prophesying something beautiful. No, it's her beautiful actions prophesying something tragic. Jesus is going to die. He will be buried. The man who raised Lazarus from the dead 
will die at the hands of the Romans. And it is during that time of Jesus being gone that Judas will grow to hate himself more than ever. And his love of stuff and his hatred for self will be his end. But also during that time, Mary will still love Jesus. She will find herself going to his tomb in tears, wishing that she could at least pay her respects. And when Jesus says her name outside of the tomb, she just wants to hold tightly to Jesus. She loves him. And Jesus says, you can't just hold on to me. I need you to tell the others what you have seen. She loves Jesus, and it leads her to see just who Jesus is before everyone else. It always seems like she was one step ahead of everyone, always seeing more in Jesus than everyone else. And why is that? Very simply, it was because she loves him, because she has a relationship with him. And then there's Judas. He spends his time with Jesus, more time than Mary does. He knows all about Jesus. He knows all the facts. His peers assume that he is always helping the poor. They assume that he is the most reliable, that he is a respectable man who wouldn't embarrass himself like Mary here. He looks at Mary and sees so much to judge and condemn. I always worry when I hear someone say something like, I don't understand how people can be like this. I know I have some problems, but my problems are nothing like theirs. Far too often we try to distance ourselves from Judas. But perhaps when we look in the mirror, we can identify with Judas more than we'd like to admit. Even up to the last moment, none of the other disciples suspected him of any treachery. I think... Maybe many of us can identify with that. So how do we respond? How do we apply this scripture to our lives? Be Mary, don't be Judas. Yeah, that sounds fine. But what was it about Mary that we admire? Well, we admired that she unashamedly loved Jesus. So we should love Jesus? But why should I love Jesus? Why should you love Jesus? Just because I told you? I mean, why do Mary, Martha, and Lazarus love Jesus? Well, because he loves them. That's what 1 John 4.19 says. We love because he first loved us. And how does he love us? In 1 John 4.10, it says this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He died for you. Died for a world so broken. And it was love. A love too strong for anything to overcome. A love too great for mere words to say. A love that looks at the hateful world. A hateful world that that wants to kill, and replies with, let me die for you. Jesus loves you. And when you find yourself looking at Jesus with honest eyes and letting him tell you who he is, I'm confident that you'll fall in love with Jesus too.
Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out the description for any scripture references made. We will be posting again next week. Youth Group Radio. Peace out. Sweet songbirds singing in the morning now. Waking me up to tell me how. Another day passes along. I love that simple song that reminds me. I'm getting closer to you. Maybe on another